Welcome to the Build a Life After Loss podcast, where we help women who have lost children to build a life of purpose and joy. Our aim is to encourage your hope in the future and strengthen your confidence. I'm your host, Julie Clough, life coach and certified grief recovery specialist. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 12. You are not alone. That's kind of a bold statement, isn't it? And we're going to get into that in just a minute. I'm sure that you have felt lonely during your grief. We're going to look at why that is and if there's anything we can do about it. But first, I want to share a review from T-Shirt Option entitled, Exactly What I Needed to Hear This Week. Here's the review. I love the message, especially recognizing the little bits of blessings in our lives that we may otherwise overlook. I'm starting a gratitude journal today. Thank you, T-Shirt Option. I love this. I love this not only because I appreciate your thoughts about the message, but I love that you are taking action by starting a gratitude journal. That's awesome. After I asked everyone for reviews last week uh, so people could find the podcast and we could help even more people, Apple Podcasts glitched and the reviews were disappearing and then reappearing and bits and pieces and overall it was a mess, which I know is just a fluke. Nevertheless, I'm sure it's working great now. So if you're an Apple Podcasts, jump in and leave us a review. That would be appreciated. All right, the second thing I want to share is how I feel like I missed a big part of what I was trying to convey last week in episode 11, Create Vision. I spent a lot of time talking about the how and not enough time talking about the why, which is a little ironic, frankly. I just want to fill in some of the why pieces before we move on to the topic of this episode. For me, when my children died, I lost a lot of my identity and gained a whole new identity that I didn't really want to sign up for. And what I mean by that is I had been homeschooling my six children. My oldest daughter was actually off at college at the time, but the four younger children were still being homeschooled, including Carrie and David, who died in the car accident. And I lost interest in homeschooling. I did continue to some extent to homeschool our boys who were a teenager and almost a teenager. And we did that through some creative options with some local schools and some online schools. But I had previously been a big part of the homeschool community. I was the director of our homeschool group. I spoke at homeschool conferences. I really wanted to be there to encourage other homeschoolers in their journey. And so when this happened, to have lost that interest was quite interesting for me. It never really came back. I I actually had thought that once my kids grew up, that I was going to be one of those homeschooling grandmas that would still be going out and speaking at the conferences and encouraging the new generation of homeschoolers. And, and that just didn't happen. And then I gained a whole new identity. And that was as a mother who had lost two children. This felt very uncomfortable. The whole thing felt very uncomfortable. I wasn't sure what I, what, what it was that I wanted. I wasn't sure what I wanted my life to look like going forward. And it wasn't until a few years later that I discovered this method of creating vision, of really looking at what we don't want and kind of starting on this, at this basic level of looking what we, what we don't want and changing that to be able to describe what we do want. It's so much easier. It's so much easier to tell somebody what you don't want, right? 
it's more difficult sometimes for us to identify what we do want. So when we've experienced a major loss, it's time, it's a time for us to re-examine what it is we do want now. So I appreciate you uh, listening to me for a few minutes as I kind of clarified some of the, what I was thinking, uh, when I created that podcast of Create Vision is this whole idea that we a lot of times have to rediscover ourselves, reinvent ourselves, rebuild our life, right? Now to start talking about you are not alone. The reason this topic is so important is because it is so lonely. It is so lonely when you're grieving. I'll tell you two reasons I felt very, very lonely. I was depressed and anxious after, after the accident. So I withdrew. I, it was self-imposed. I didn't have the interest in being around people that I'd had before. I didn't have the interest in some of the fun activities that you would normally want to do, whether that be bowling or going to a movie or just going to dinner with friends. None of that really interested me because my brain was so full of trying to come to grips with my new reality. So that was the first piece was this self-imposed isolation. The second reason that I felt lonely was because I didn't feel like anyone understood me. How could anybody possibly understand me? Hopefully they didn't understand me. Hopefully they hadn't gone through an experience like I had. And as we've talked about before, even if someone has gone through the same experience or a similar, I would never say same, but a similar experience, they still don't know exactly how you feel. This can feel very lonely because we feel misunderstood. However, I will say that I did find friends who had experienced major loss and did understand the gravity of the grief, the gravity of the pain, and were willing to stick with me regardless of my pulling away. Grief and loneliness can tend to be companions in some ways. You may feel like your friends stop calling because they feel uncomfortable or they don't know what to say or you don't feel like those around you are, are even understanding your grief, aren't, aren't tolerant of what you're feeling, or you're tired of having to reassure everyone you're doing okay. And you don't feel like talking to anybody anyway. And people are pushing you to feel better. And you don't want to have to admit that you still feel bad. So you pull away. And a big one is struggling with the anxiety and the depression. You are not alone in your loneliness. We are all searching to be understood. There's a sense in some ways from all of us of being misunderstood. This was an interesting definition from the Encyclopedia of Mental Health of Loneliness. It says the subjective psychological discomfort people experience when their network of social relationships is significantly deficient in either quality or quantity. The key point here is that they're identifying loneliness as subjective. And so a lot of times it has to do with our temperament. It's the contrast between what a person wants as far as that companionship and what they have. So if you have a temperament where you normally like a lot of people around and you're finding that you're not liking that right now, but you're also feeling discomfort because you are used to having that, or if you're the type of person that's 
relatively quiet to begin with, and then you find yourself even more isolated. All these personality differences can change the way we feel about our loneliness. It's so common for us to feel misunderstood and alienated in grief. And then what happens is our brain starts to think, I've got to do this on my own. I've got to look out for myself. And then it guards itself against other people. Our brain starts to encourage us to push people away and it just perpetuates the loneliness and it becomes this cycle. So we can decide to accept the company that is offered to us and the support of others. And we can decide what we are comfortable with. But it is important for us to find ways to make connections at some point. But most of the time, it's more about our thinking of negative thoughts and what we are making things mean than it is the circumstances. So it all starts with our thoughts. Thoughts about our current situation, thoughts about other people, thoughts about the way others respond to us. I would encourage you to listen to episode seven where I examine how we react to the things others say or do, or even what we perceive that they are thinking Our thoughts create the experiences that we have. Our thoughts are our interpretation of the circumstances. So while it is natural to feel lonely and to experience loneliness in grief, we can also examine our thoughts and see if there's anything in there that isn't benefiting us. Are we having any thoughts that aren't benefiting us? One thing that you can do is you can just journal your thoughts. And this doesn't have to be something that you're going to keep. You don't write this in the pretty journal. You write this in the the notebook that you're going to throw away. But you just write thoughts. You just sit down and just do a dump. Do a thought dump and just write down what you're thinking. And as you read through what you're thinking, you can start to examine your thoughts because they're there on paper. And this isn't to be a way of judging ourselves. This is a way to just be curious and to examine what it is we are thinking and really start to separate the circumstance, the situation from the thought. So we talked about this a little bit. I believe that was in episode seven too. When somebody does something, we get to decide what we're going to think about it. So it's really easy when you're in the middle of grief to be offended. And it's because, I think that it's because our emotions are just heightened. And so the smallest thing can kind of be irritating and it doesn't need to be. These are things that maybe would have never irritated you before, but you're finding that they're irritating. So it's an opportunity for us to look at our thoughts and then examine them and decide if there's something better that we could be thinking Let's say the situation is that it's been maybe three months since your loss and you are expecting that your friends would still be there for you, that they would still be showing up on a regular basis and they're not. And it's a weekend and you're thinking, where are the people that are supposed to be supporting me? Now the situation is, is that they're not there. But the thought is what's making us feel bad. The thought of they're not there and they should be, that makes us feel frustrated, maybe angry, disappointed. Those are the feelings that come up when we have that thought. But we can choose a different thought. The circumstance stays the same. They didn't come. Let's be more specific. Let's say you have a friend named Jane. 
Jane, the first two months was at your doorstep every other day. And then slowly she stopped coming as often. And it's three months later and it's a weekend and Jane doesn't stop by. The circumstances, Jane didn't come over. That's just a fact. The thought is what creates the emotions that occur. You can think, Jane didn't come by. She must not love me. How does that make you feel? Or you can think, Jane didn't stop by. She must be busy with her family. Doesn't that feel so much better when we assume the best of people? It's really about changing our thought and recognizing, truly recognizing that we have a choice, that there is a choice, that we don't have to automatically think she didn't come because she doesn't care anymore. Sometimes we think that's the fact. The fact is that she doesn't care. And we jump to that. There's something happens and we our mind jumps to that. Our lower brain quickly jumps to conclusions that sometimes are not at all helpful. And it does that because it's been programmed to protect us. So this is a protection mechanism. But as we start to examine our thoughts, we see that, well, this isn't protecting me at all. It's just making me feel bad. So then we use our higher brain to change those thoughts, come up with new thoughts, and that feels so much better when we can do that. And also we assign meaning that we don't need to assign. Remember when I said, Jane didn't come, she must not love me. Do you see the big leap there that we're choosing a belief that just doesn't feel good at all? And there's no reason for us to jump to that type of belief. But sometimes if we don't examine our thoughts and we don't examine what's going on, then we don't recognize that we do have a choice. So when you have an experience where a certain circumstance, a certain situation is making you feel bad, it's an opportunity to examine exactly what you're thinking about that situation and if there's an alternative. Now, the title of this episode is You Are Not Alone. And the reason I chose that title is because we can choose to not be alone. We can choose to recognize that there are resources out there. This podcast, for example, is a resource when you're hurting to help you to feel like somebody else to some extent understands a little bit about the deep grief that I'm going through. As we practice, we can get better and better at recognizing that our thoughts are what are creating the negative feelings. Now, sometimes there are circumstances where we want to have negative feelings, and that's okay too. But just make sure that you recognize that there is a choice in between what happens and the thought and that negative emotion. But the true work of grief comes when we fill that lonely space within us from inside out. That was a quote from an article that I read recently, and I just loved that. The true work of grief comes in filling that lonely space from the inside out. That means that we can examine our own thoughts and feelings and we can have our own back. In other words, we don't attack ourselves for feeling bad. That doesn't help anything at all. Or attack ourselves for being lonely or make it mean that there's something wrong with us. We go inside and we examine our own thoughts and our own feelings and we're kind and good to ourselves. So we always have ourselves. But I want to go to another area where I think that we can all 
agree to some extent that we are not alone because we have God's love. God's love heals us. And if you're not somebody that believes in God, if you don't consider God your higher power, that's fine too. Know that whatever higher power you look to, this applies to that as well. But I truly believe that God's love heals us. It's all encompassing. He has blessings and knowledge and insight that he wants us to have, but we get to choose. We get to choose whether or not we turn to him. God's grace is possible because of the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. All we must do is choose. We choose his love. We choose to feel it. We choose to experience it. What gets in the way of choosing his love is our doubts about our personal worth. If we think we have made mistakes or sinned that puts us outside of God's love, then we are choosing to be outside of God's love. He won't ignore our will to impose his own will. And maybe we have made mistakes, but whatever mistakes or sins that you've you've experienced, God's love is still all-encompassing and he is still there for us. He expects us to make mistakes. Sometimes we compare ourselves with our brother, our sister, our friend, a colleague, a personal idol that has found success, or we presumably think that they have it all, or even a religious leader. We look up to people who have qualities that we admire, and that's great, but we strive to develop great qualities in ourselves, but we need to be so careful that we don't beat ourselves down because of our perception that someone else is better or more worthy or more deserving. You are worthy, period. You are loved by God, period. He expects us to make mistakes. It's in his plan that we make mistakes, that we sin, that we learn and grow and develop because of our experiences, but he doesn't want us to do it alone. He wants to be a part of the journey. You know how much you love your child or your children. Our love for our children is all-consuming, which is why the grief is so, so overwhelming and painful. We are imperfect beings, and yet we love our children so much. It is hard to even imagine how much God must love us. And also, I want to say, it's about being, not doing. It's not these things that we do that make us worthy. It's about the things, it's about who we are. So our identity should be around those qualities within us, or those qualities that we want to develop, not around our roles and our labels that we put on ourselves. What if we choose to believe that every person who dies enters the loving arms of God? Five years before Carrie and David died, they fell out the second story window. You heard it right. It was a Sunday evening and the younger kids had all gone upstairs to play. My husband and I were downstairs and all of a sudden we heard some commotion. And then I heard my husband yell and scream and run out the door. And sure enough, Carrie and David had fallen out the second floor window onto the pool deck. We were in a brand new house that we hadn't lived in for more than, I think, three months or or so. And they had opened the window to talk to the dog in the backyard. And both of them had leaned on the screen at the same time. And the window was low enough that when they did that, they both fell out amazingly. And I look back on that and I think, what a miracle that they fell out the two-story window and were barely hurt. Carrie had some minor fractures in her wrist, and David just had some bruising. So it was truly miraculous. And I think of all the miracles that we've experienced over the years. In the accident, James's surgery and healing was miraculous. 
After Carrie died, I found in her scriptures a picture that she had drawn of a girl, little girl, and a man with an arrow. And she had labeled the little girl Carrie, and she had labeled the man Jesus, and she had drawn an arrow from her to Jesus. There are miracles all around us. We can focus on the miracles. We can focus on the support that we do have. We can feel less alone if we accept God's love and His miracles and His comfort. If you don't already know of God's love and you believe in God, but you don't truly believe that He loves you, I would encourage you to pray every day to know that God loves you until you can feel it, until you can feel it in your bones. This is so important. It's so important for us to feel that, especially in our grief. Sometimes our grief can be so overwhelming that we cannot feel that spiritual love. We have more difficulty experiencing spiritual things. So don't be discouraged if right now you're not feeling that, because that might be what's happening for you. I hope that as we talk today that you feel less alone, that you realize that there are people out there like myself and others who want to help, who want to be there for you, who want to understand and sometimes just can't. I hope you have a wonderful week. Remember to visit Build a Life After Loss. I've created a gift for you, which is three daily practices that will help you to start building your life after loss. Some of what we talked about today is included in that with a little more detail. Have a wonderful week. I sure believe in you. I'll talk to you next week. Bye.